Hi to all our listeners. This is Jordan from the podcast. I just wanted to say thank you for listening to this episode of The Emphatic Fanatics. The reason I'm recording this is because we had to change our previous name due to similarities with other podcasts. So the intro of the first two episodes isn't going to be the normal intro we will have going forward. This episode will go straight into the topic. However, we hope you enjoy the podcast nonetheless, and we look forward to bringing you even better content in the future. Anyone can talk about football. You know, it's not, it's not hard. You can go to the pub and talk about football. You can go to the shop and talk about football. But talking properly about football, only certain people can do that. And we definitely can do this. Forget Gwilym Balagay, forget Raphael Hornstein. Us five, we know what we're talking about. My name is Theo. And I've got four other fantastic lads on this podcast. Lads, introduce yourself. Starting with... Uh, the man in the cap, the black one. <laughs> but, yeah. Are you talking about his ethnicity here or are you just talking about what he's wearing? <laughs> the man in the cap, the black one. <laughs> yeah, introduce yourself, Luca. Yeah, Luca Kiriaku. I'm the, uh, the boy Theo's brother. Top bloke. What I was going to say. The man in the red cap. I, I'm Ethan. I'm also a top lad. I'm a Scottish top lad. Thank you very much. The gentleman in the, the shirt. I can apply to either. We're all wearing shirts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh no, I'll remove it for you to, to identify me. <laughs> the human uh, with I the am... functioning circular circular system. Yeah. There we go, that one. The oxygen dependency. Um, I am Matthew. I am Ethan's brother. And I'll be taking no further questions at this time. Beautiful. And last and certainly not least. Hi there. Uh, my name is Jordan. Um, so, yeah, glad to be here. Brilliant. Well, it's glad, I'm glad we can have you guys on the, the podcast. Pretty poor start to the podcast, I must admit. But we'll get better at it. It's all good. So what we're going to do today at the start. There we go. Yeah, well, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for not being up to your standards. Um, I know you're in team <laughs> The usual. What we're going to do today is we're just going to learn more about the lads and you know why they love love football. So we started introducing them last. We'll start on him first, Jordan. So, what football team is your number one, mate? Uh, well, I've got the shirt on right now. Um, so my favourite team is Sunderland. Um, an odd choice, some may consider, um, but. All, you can all consider. More. <laughs> we, saw you Netflix. Netflix. we saw you cry on Netflix. We saw you cry on Netflix. No interruptions, Ethan. No interruptions. Well, I'll let you know that Mr. Jordan Listener is, is a very, very big Sunderland fan. Um, it was obviously a tough one last season. Not one cup final, but uh, also another. So two. Just like, it was tough just last season? Um, <laughs> obviously, a club that has had not just... Negatives, but horrors um, <laughs> in the past five years. Nightmares. Um, in, in, yeah, nightmares. I mean, they've they'd obviously had famous players such as um, Fabio Barini. <laughs> Fabio Barini. Luca Moroni. Giacarini. The boys. Bernardo Moretti. I mean, you know, I remember, I remember Sunderland about 10 years ago 
in, in the Premier League. And it used to be a difficult place to go, the stadium of light. I always remember Man City used to used to. Yeah, it was an accent that put people off. Yeah. Well, Jordan, we're going to move on to favourite players from the past for yeah. Sunderland. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I've, I think, well, I've supported Sunderland really, well, since I was born. I got Sunderland shirt when I was a baby. Um, my first game um, was Sheffield United in 2004. I don't remember much of it, because um, so, I was about probably four or five at the time. Um, and it was, yeah, it was a 1-0 win. Uh, but a goal nonetheless, even though I don't remember it, was scored by Tommy Smith. So, yeah, it was, it was a good goal. But in terms of favourite players growing up, I think Julio Arca uh, stands out. <laughs> yes, uh, good show. But came in about the 98 season um, to about 2005-06. Um, so, yeah, he's a player that I loved growing up, left midfielder, left back, could play all over the pitch. Uh, so yeah, a real standout player for us. In in later years, towards my teenage years, I would say Darren Bent. Mm. Um, even though he, he left someone in a negative light, uh, got to say a massive goal scorer for them. Uh, indeed, yeah. But I remember he scored twenty six goals in the two thousand and ten eleven season, if I'm correct. Including uh, one forget that they often forget how many goals he yeah. did score for Sunderland. He scored a lot of goals for us. Uh, a lot of crucial goals, as Matthew mentioned, the beach ball goal against Liverpool. Um, I was there for that match actually as well. And oh, it was, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I was there for that match. Uh, Were well, so, you the fan who put the balloon on the pitch? Oh uh, no, that was a Liverpool fan actually. Oh, it was, was it? Was oh, a, it was yeah. a Liverpool being their own downfall. It's great. Yeah, proper Liverpool beach ball, like actual badge on the beach ball. Cool. Um, and it was so funny seeing it on Sky. It's like him just whacking it on the pitch. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Awesome. But, but yeah, and then of course I think the last one has to be Jermaine Defoe um, towards the end of our Premier League time. Um, but yeah, he, he was a massive goal scorer for us as well. Was that before that, he went out to America? It was after. It was afterwards because uh, we traded him with Josie Altador because um, oh, yeah. he was a shambles for us. And we traded Josie Altador and I think it was near enough 10 million. Uh, for mm. the football, um, to get him back. And, I think yeah. it was strange with because I mean Altador's build and and just everything would have suited the Premier League in my opinion. He just didn't yeah. he didn't hit the ground running, you know. I think that's the thing though. I think when he came in, he came from Altmar, um, AZ Altmar in 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 the Netherlands, and it's it's one of those leagues that you can mm. find players that are gems, mm. and then you can find ones that come. That, for example, Memphis Depay, when he went to United, he, he, he looked a bit a proper starlet um, for PSV Eindhoven. And he, he went to Manchester United and failed. And it was kind of similar with Altador. When he came in, he was he was this big guy. I think he was at Wolves beforehand as well, uh, on loan at Wolves at one point. And he struggled. He was a in there as well. What was that? He was a hole for a wee bit, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. The Dutch league, you're right. Then the Dutch league is is a league that managers would would do quite well to maybe have a bit more caution. You think, for example, Vincent Janssen. Vincent Janssen, when he was playing for Alkmaar, it was oh, Janssen's a, a proper gem, proper gem. But Janssen looked like a pub player, and all he did was score penalties, and he cost twenty million. Well, that, uh, that's the thing as well. You you've also got to look at the likes of Wilfred Boney as well. Uh, he mm. came from the you don't have to look. Let, we don't, you know, we don't have to yeah. go there. No. 
what well when when he came into Swansea, uh, he had a good couple of years, then went to Man City and didn't really yeah. kick on after that. So yeah, but well, that's, that's really the story. Yeah. Well we'll come back to you in a bit, John. Yeah, um, we'll move on now to uh, to Matthew. Matthew, same question to you, mate. Mm-hmm. Football team, who do you follow? Uh, that would have to be Manchester City. I see. Yeah. Well, enough said. Uh, <laughs> yeah. moving, on, moving on to Ethan. No, we'll go back to Matthew, obviously. Matthew, first oh. game and um, favourite favorite three players, mate. Uh, well, well, three players. Well, I mean, you could say uh, 20, yeah. but we've only uh, got that. So, well, the first match I attended will be the same as, as Ethan. That was... Mm. Sorry, watched on TV, like memory of TV. That's oh, 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 right. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you both. The first match we actually attended has been the, the only match we attended. That was December 2015. 2015. And that was 5-2. Again, Bournemouth. Four one. Where? Are you sure? Yeah. Or was it? Four one. I no, it was four one. Yeah, you're right. Because uh, yeah. I remember Wilfred Boney actually scoring. Um, I think. Yeah, that's <laughs> Yeah. Did you frame your home? Did you frame your whole outfit just to remember that day after that? Uh, yes, I yeah. uh, memorialised every step I took from McDonald's to uh, to the East End. Uh, no, that was the one that Raheem Sterling scored a hat trick as well. So that was that was brilliant, and that was when the first season Kevin De Bruyne was playing, and you were seeing him pinging passes across the pitch like you mm. know, you didn't think was possible. It's on TV; it's different. We you know there was like FIFA passes that everyone makes. But actually, to see someone you know play in that way was just phenomenal. Um, so the first game I attended, the earliest game I remember um, must have been about 2006, 2007 season um, when it was Man City against Liverpool. Because up until that, you know, I never really had a firm attachment to any. club. the local team was on firm, we had season tickets. But you know, if you watch them firm play, you don't fall in love with football. Um, and I used to play Liverpool uh, on uh, the 2005 Champions League game for FIFA. This was actually a proper game. So I used to play them and just, you know, took an interest in them. But that was the game where Dad, unironically and non-manipulatively, said, what team would you support, Man City or Liverpool? And Liverpool did win 2-0. Um, but then I started following Man City from them. So that's the earliest recollection. Um, as regards my favourite players, is, is it has to do Man City players or it could be any player? Well, we'll just go from Man City just, just at the moment, yeah. Man City, but I do think the player who, the best midfielder in the world right now, and I care about any other suggestion, this is not a debate, it is Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah, I completely agree. It, it is, he is, there is no quality that he lacks in. If he played at centre-back, I would not worry for 90 minutes. Because he has the, the mental attitudes. Um, leadership. The, 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 well, the leadership. That, uh, he will be Man City's next captain. But there is an area that he, he is lacking. He is just simply superb. And I was saying about, about FIFA games and TV games that you watch. Every space that you as a fan say, oh, pass the ball there. He can do it. It's so difficult yeah, actually yeah, yeah. on a pitch to pick out those passes. But he knows exactly what to, to, to play. Uh, and that's just uh, a testament to his, his fantastic ability. So obviously he is number one for me, um, uh, a, an exceptional player. 
Um, I'm struggling to think about who else I would put up there. I wouldn't actually put Aguero there. Um, I don't seem to follow the hype that surrounds Aguero's prominence and mm. his love um, by Man City fans. I don't know why, because the stats and the hype uh, correlate to each other. But mm-hmm. I just, I That's an interesting to... one, and I think that will that will be one of our discussions one the week um, yeah. weeks on Sergio Aguero. Um, because, I, because I think for he had a debt for a few years, and that's why they brought Jesus well, in. And it was I don't know, now he's I don't picked know. up. Well, the thing is, he's, a, he's an individual who can be categorized as simultaneously overrated and underrated. Because mm-hmm. um, from the critics' point of view and from the nominations, um, when it comes to awards and accolades, he is overlooked to uh, a level that matches crime. It is terrible how underappreciated he is. And yet, I think there is just a basic assumption that if he plays, he scores or will be the best player on the pitch, which is not correct I, at all. I think because he's a new age striker with old style because he's not the fastest on the pitch. And you know yeah. that. But he is surprisingly good at headers and in the yeah. box and in the box threat. And you don't see that as often nowadays. Yeah. And I think but that's I, why he's overlooked because he doesn't play the category. Many, he's a there's too many players in his role though. That uh, Sorry, I mean like the same as if you, for example, you think of Thomas Muller. Thomas Muller is massively overrated, but also massively underrated as well. Yeah, yeah. Muller's uh, a different I, I, type of player, like Aguero. Exactly. New players now. And I, I don't know who made the comment in the media, but recently someone mentioned that, of course, Virgil van Dijk won the, the, the player of the year. Because just look at the, the lack of quality of strikers he's playing against nowadays. When you compare against the mm. Shearer, Drogba, Henry. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I kind of, I, I see his point now. Um, yeah. So I'm just going to list players I wouldn't do in my top three. I've got to press you uh, with time. Yeah. Oh, okay. So uh, I, my second one will be Biz Company, and my third will be Bernardino. You've got to say really? that, though, though that Matthew, sorry to inter- interrupt Theo. You've got to say that without Vincent Company this year, City have been a shadow of themselves, really. And, I, um, and that's yes, why they've absolutely. probably not put the pressure on Liverpool. It's uh, also yeah. having about four or five major injuries this year. To integral and players. I, yeah, a medical for losing the medical. I think Laporte. Sane, Laporte. Um, we've had De Bruyne being injured as well. You've had, uh, wasn't Aguero for a, a little bit as well. Rodri but I don't think every, every player. KDB, loss of, losing KDB is not as big as losing Laporte. It's also off-field presence. Well, mm. well, when it comes to when it comes to tactics and, and the more finite details. Laporte is integral to the City squad mm. more than any other player. Yeah, I, 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 I would I, say I, on the pitch, if De Bruyne is not playing, they look lost. They, no, I no, 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 no. City will still lost. pull a win, but they look. It seems like they get tired quicker. They look. They look no, lost. No, 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 no. No, I, I, well, that's my opinion. But at the end true. Right. You, you, if the if De Bruyne is not there, Man City only look lost without De Bruyne. If they're not winning and there's 10 minutes left to go, that's when people will notice, oh, they need Kevin De Bruyne. Up until then, you've got very, you've got high elite world-class players um, debuting for him. So, so that's not a, a worry. It's just his presence is, or lack of presence yeah. is felt when <laughs> men aren't winning. Um, but, when it, yeah, I say when, it's, when it's, it's, it's level, when it's level, you're either nil or not winning, you're right. 
it looks lost. When City are in front and they, they could not have him playing or have him subbed off, City are still going to win because you've got David Silva. You've got players like that who can take on the creativity role. But I think that when stress is put on the players in those situations and De Bruyne is not on the pitch, uh, either for his leadership and, and guidance or just for his creative ability, they look lost. Okay, um, some good points there. Some good points there. And obviously we will come back um, in another couple of episodes and probably discuss that. But um, what we'll do, Ethan, will allow you to obviously have your moment in the, right. the spotlight, saying who you support. All right, so I'm, I'm also the same as Matthew. I'm a Manchester City fan. Yep. I'm a City fan. And briefly, <laughs> your favourite top three players. So. I'm just going to quickly mention my first uh, match I ever watched. Because I, didn't get, I, I want to answer that one. The first match that I have a recollection of is City's 8-1 defeat to Middlesbrough. That's the first <laughs> match I remember. Um, just sliding that one in there. City's players, uh, my top three, uh, there's Elano. Yep, decent player. Absolutely love Elano. His free, um, free kicks were quality. Um, who else? Uh Ed and Jekyll. Yeah, Jekyll, one of the most underrated strikers. And yes, he did not get the respect he's there from City as well. He was a super sub for City when he should mm. have been starting. Yeah. And I think people misremember him. I, th- I think a distance of five years has helped his reputation because he's continued scoring in Roma. If you actually remember Ed and Jekyll playing, there were plenty of times where he just didn't live up to his hype at all. Mm. People remember well, I that remember, season. I remember Ed and Jekyll when he played at Wolfsburg. Uh, when yeah, they won the yeah. title, and yeah, he played yeah. alongside uh, a fellow called Graffit. Graffit, yeah, I love Graffit. Scored that goal against back heel goal. That back heel goal, yeah. And Edin Dzeko, I think he scored. He scored double figures that that season, and he was I great for Man City. But I do agree, he could have done better. But I do think he's 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 an underrated footballer. I really mm, do. Definitely. Yeah, um, definitely. And it's it's tough because I've always loved David Silva. But I'm going for the other Silva. I'm going for Bernardo Silva. It's my all-time favourite. Um, he's, not, he's not been at City that long, I understand. But just as a player as a whole, I look at him and I'm like, goodness sake. His nickname at City is yeah. Bubblegum because the, mm. the ball just sticks to his feet. And it's just that, that whole playing style, really, I'm, I'm quite attracted to not in that way. I'm surprised. Um, I'm surprised. So. Yeah, so, sorry. Sorry to interrupt again then, Ethan. Um, I'm surprised none of either of you and Matthew didn't say Zabaleta. Um, I personally I, it's, thought... It's, it's like, generally, generally accepted that he is a magnificent human being. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I am scared that he will be overlooked when, in these sort of discussions in the future. Um, I'm annoyed that you looked over Stephen Ireland. We admired about him. Same, same kind of ballpark as uh, Muller, where he didn't possess the more finite details that you know, the, or the technique or anything like that. It's just the, the fact that he will run harder than you, work harder, will outlast you, and after 90 minutes, he will still be able to headbutt you and bleed. Hmm. Um, and break his nose. So um, yeah. yeah, so, and he, he's a Spaniard who now speaks with a Mancunian accent, so that's all you need. A real legend, mm-hmm. Zabaleta, a legend. Fair oh, play, yeah. lads. Right, now we'll move on to uh, someone who's been very quiet, but he's got yeah. plenty to say. Luca, briefly, tell us the fantastic football team you support, mate. 
Yep, the only team in the West Midlands, Birmingham City. Obviously, top three players. You've got Nikola Zigic. Oh, um, wow. What? Well, that's six, say. six foot eight. The Serbian beast. You've got also Cameron Jerome. I think he was a, a baller. Scored some game. banging goals in the... Remember that goal at Liverpool? Yeah. Oh, he was a brilliant player, I remember. I can't remember much about when you played for Birmingham. He was good at Blues. He was good at Blues. Good player. Um, good player, Cameron Jerome. And who, number three? Che Adams. Come on. Che Adams. Uh, now, Adams. Adams at Blues. How, how was he? He's absolutely insane. How many did he score that last season? I think it was, it was over 20. And then he's, well, he's flopped at Southampton now, but... I think he'll still make it at Southampton. I still think he'll be good at the end. Leeds came in for him in in January, uh, loan with an option to buy, and I think he should have gone to Leeds. He'd suit Leeds down to a a T. I mean, talking of Leeds, I know we're going off on a tangent here, but they let go of Kamar Roof in the the summer. That was ridiculous. Uh, Where did he go off to again? Anderlecht. That's strange. That is a strange one. That's very strange. Some good suggestions, uh, good good opinions there, Luca. Sorry, uh, first game, Luca. First game. First game I remember was when we beat Arsenal in the cup final. Um, I mean, it's only gone downhill from there, but it was yeah. I remember watching that goal went in. Everyone was going mental. It was, it was great. Over Femi, and then who was it? Someone someone ran past Koscielny and hit him on the head. Oh, it was quite Ferguson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, got to love that. Shall yeah. we say ask the same question of you, Theo? So what? Uh, team do you support? What's your early, earliest memory of them? Uh, what are your favourite players? Best few players. Birmingham City, um, obviously. He's changed for the past um, couple of years and you know it. Uh, I'm not going to lie, obviously. <laughs> it's like Man United, but my dad's from Birmingham. It's only right to support your club and I chose Birmingham. It's not like I chose a, a world-class team, but yeah. Mm. First memory of the game was, um, I think it was 2006 and we went to see Birmingham against Plymouth. Uh, it was 1-1. And I always remember that day because it was the last game of the season and everyone was in for Plymouth, was in fancy dress. Yeah. And I thought, why, why is Mario turning up at the football? Yeah. Um, and there was some, so, some proper... I, I, I forgot to mention, obviously, Arbroath. We grew up grew up there, season tickets. Obviously, Scottish yeah. football, it's not, the, it's not the nicest stuff, but it's an introduction to football, do you know what I mean? Very true. If you want to learn how to headbutt and ricochet, watch a Scottish, watch a Scottish game. The Scottish um, lower leagues are some of the best leagues in the world. Um, aye, you need to get your, your, your Brideys and your Iron Brew in that, aye. The, Scot- the, the fact that the Scottish leagues, the quality is not the best, but the fact that you literally, it's real football, that you have to deal with the elements, you have to deal with the pitches, you have to deal with the, the idiot fans, the, the, the distance teams drive. Teams drive uh, is is that example. what makes football, though? Yeah, that is what makes That's taking it back to its, its British roots. Yeah. No one's getting, you're a part-time plumber and also left they're just, they're just normal lads playing football on the weekend. You, yeah, and you think about it, in England you've got the Conference North and the Conference South, and obviously you've got the Conference National, but in Scotland, even in League Two, they are travelling from Elgin to Stranraer on a Tuesday night, and the loyal fans will, will go down, they'll play the game, the weather is horrendous, be back up. Scottish football is it's got a special place in my heart not the top division but the, the lower leagues after spending many years watching them um, has, a, uh, has a place in my heart. In terms of favourite players 
it's got to be obviously Nikola Zigic up there. Now, Zigic, Zigic was a bit of a failure for Birmingham. Um, but Zigic understood what it meant to play for the club because he, he, he stayed with us during the difficult times. And he, he popped up with some fantastic goals. He popped up with some fantastic goals. I've also got to have um, Sebastian Larson in yeah, there yeah. as well. Sure. Seb Larson was a, a truly incredible um, midfielder. And I was saying to Jordan the other day, Seb Larson's had a cracking career for a pretty average set-piece specialist. You know, he's played in cup yeah, finals. Yeah. He's won the cup final, obviously. He's played in the World Cup. Um, he's had a good career. And then third player... Um, maybe a little Nathan Redmond I mean Redmond at, at Blues uh, it, obviously he's under Hassan, Hassan Hootel that's a bit of a mouthful this, this season say. he's really improved but at Blues he was this raw kid who came through our academy um, who he was just electrifying he was like Damari Gray when he came through it's something so different um, that People were like, wow, who's this kid? And obviously, he scored one of the goals that got us to the Europa League um, against, I think it was National we played. Um, so, yeah, Redmond, uh, Redmond will always go down in history. Is there a space for a shout-out for Mauro Zerati? Zerati only played a few games for us. I can't really remember. I remember to be honest. he was a He was like a second half of a season loan, I remember. I think from like... He was an interesting player, Mauro Zerati, because... Everywhere he went, apart from England, he scored goals and did really well. But uh, when he came to England, I didn't see. I didn't even see what the hype was about. Yeah, when I was at West Ham, aye, aye, but West Ham have had hundred strikers since Marozzarati was there. So mm. you know, it kind of pales into insignificance there. Well, they had Ricardo Baste, Carlton Cole, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Blues, um, Carlos Davis, Chris Wood. Chris Wood oh, well that season, Theo, when you came up to the Premier League, you had uh, Kevin Phillips in your team as well. Um, See, Kevin, uh, Kevin Phillips um, towards the end of his career, I think. We, he, had, he had one season for Blues, I believe, uh, and um, Phillips he still scored goals in the Premier. Yeah, Phillips was a Phillips was a good player, um, even towards the end of his career. Um, so, right, lads. Well, briefly, just uh, I just want one sentence because we're going to move on to another topic. Favourite game of all time for your club? Jordan? It's got to be, I mean, it's got to be between two. Um, I think my, in terms of the scoreline and the significance, beating Newcastle 3-0 um, at home, uh, there, there was the away game where we beat them 3-0 for the first time, but I think we beat the, uh, the time we beat them at home 3-0 was six in a row um, against our biggest rivals. Um, I think trying the goal scorers. I think Johnson did get one of the goals, um, but Fletcher and Billy Jones as well. So that that game was significant. But the other game, I think, I, I think would just go above it um, would be Everton as well. Um, we beat them three 0 the last home game of the season, um, and I think Van Aanholt scored a free kick um, that that game, and Coney scored two goals. Lamine Coney. Um, our big he, he scored two goals that day as well and the atmosphere that, that night was just amazing because yeah. only did we stay up but we sent Newcastle down as well and yeah the atmosphere couldn't have been better live on Sky Sports and it was just amazing that night can I just say really? that was a really long one sentence <laughs> <laughs> yeah. really long one sentence 
but that, that, that's that's my favourite game. I think someone versus like seven. Respect, Matt. Do I even need to ask this question? <laughs> because because I because I think Ethan is going to select the more obvious question without too patronising. Um, so oh, my, my selection, just just for the I, well, I'm not going to stick to one sentence. So let, let's let's ditch those parameters. I think the honourable mention option has to be City three QPR two that we know about that already. I think just for the, the smug look in my face the following day, walking into school with a newfound swagger for the first time in a, in a year filled with Man United fans, it was Man United 1, Manchester City 6. Mm. Yeah, that was, that was a crazy day. The, the day City really announced themselves. Um, oh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, love that. Ethan? It's a tough one. Um, I'm conflicted, right? Because... There are some fantastic games. I'm, I'm, not keep it to, I'm not going to keep it to a sentence either. I'll be quite brief with it, though. Um, games that I've enjoyed watching, City's loss against Tottenham, Champions League. Yeah. yeah. That, I, I hated the result, but that is probably one of the Was best matches. Yeah, yeah, one of the best, most drama-filled matches I've ever seen in my life. But um, most enjoyable, it's either City against QPR, because Manchester City are still alive here, Balotelli, Aguero. Or City's comeback win against Schalke um, a couple years back in Champions League. Leroy oh, Sané with that absolute peach free kick. And then last minute, bottom left from uh, Raheem Sterling getting pinged by Edison from the box. Fantastic game. So those, I'd say I'll go for those, to be honest. I still can't watch the highlights of that Tottenham game. I it's, see it pop so up every now and then. I, 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 I can't watch it. But that cemented to me the fact that... Um, Champions League does have major corruption. Thank you. <laughs> okay, well, we'll get we'll get on to that another time. We'll get on to that another time. Oh, yes, we will. <laughs> um, best, obviously, the cup final. Blues, Blues win against Arsenal. But I think if we're talking about emotional roller coaster, when we played QPR, and um, when was it last season? Um, Lee Camp last minute penalty save. <laughs> When we were winning, what was it, 4-3? And then they got a penalty. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, yeah, that was a good moment. For myself, it's got to be the Bolton 2, Blues 2. The uh, the two last-minute last, uh, last minute goals, one by Paul Caddis in the 95th minute. We had have conceded that, we would have been in League 1, and who knows where we would have been um, been at the moment. League that one. was a big goal. <laughs> yeah, but we could have slipped. We could have slipped, yeah. we could have slipped even further because we were in a bad place financially. The owner was in jail. Well, Not talk about slip. My favourite match of all time, Gerard's Liverpool against <laughs> yeah. Chelsea. Thank yeah. you. That was a that was a good moment. That was a good moment. Right, lads. So we're going to move on now. Obviously, there was a, a big game on uh, this evening. <coughs> Dortmund against Bayern, which um, obviously finished one 0 to Bayern. It was an interesting game. Um, in my opinion, Bayern didn't get out of first gear the the whole game. They had it in the bag quite easy. Um, Dortmund were, they huffed and puffed, but they were a bit disappointed. Um, Favre, I think it's time for him to go, really. Um, Jordan, I'll, uh, I'll start with you there, mate. Thoughts yeah, on yeah. Uh, proceedings? Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think Favre is done um, at Dortmund. I think he's been here now two seasons. Uh, Dortmund did go and spend a good chunk of money uh, on players such as Brandt and Hazard this season. Um, so, yeah, you, you would have expected... A slightly better effort uh, 
tonight against Bayern, especially considering if they win, they're really in the title race. And it's up then up to maybe Leverkusen to get a draw against Bayern and then Dortmund could maybe take the lead and jump them uh, to, to take the title. But I've got to say that there was some good performances uh, from some of the players. I've got to shout out Lucas Piszczek. Um, mm-hmm. I thought he was solid tonight. He had a good uh, game. He played in part of a back three with Akanji and Hummels. Um, so I, th- I felt he had four recoveries, uh, I counted, um, which was amazing. One, he just took the ball off Lewandowski and it was, it was immaculate how, how well he'd done. Um, and also I would say the one thing that Dortmund are unfortunate about, I think there was a questionable handball. Uh, yeah. Which I think VAR should have spotted, which was mm, it's a Boateng. Boateng, yeah. it was Alaba. I think it was Alaba. Or, I think it was Alaba rather than Boateng. No, I think uh, it was Boateng. Or was it Boateng in the end? Uh, I, I wasn't entirely sure. It was. I knew it was one of the centre back. Uh, with that though, I, th- I felt Dortmund didn't create enough. Um, they should have probably hit more shots in the first half. They had a couple of chat. I think Brandt probably should have had a shot in the first half. Um, and there was a couple, a couple of things that weren't quite right, um, mm. which you've got to ultimately leave that with the manager. Um, yeah. So yeah. But I, I think, as you said, Dortmund—they huffed and puffed. Uh, they tried, but that lack of that lack of quality in the in the end obviously showed. And the fact they didn't play Sancho. Uh, again, after a cameo on the weekend yeah. and looking pretty good, See, even for the full second half. Yeah, you've got to say with fitness, though, I think Sancho is coming back from being injured. I think he got injured in February, I think. Uh, I'm not entirely sure. Don't quote me on that. But I think he did. Uh, he is just coming back from injury, including Witzel as well. Uh, Axel Witzel, I think he's a big loss in the central mid of mid- Isn't Dan Axel uh, Zagadou, isn't he injured as well? I think he, he's also, yeah, he's because picked up on injury. Uh, he, does, yeah, he, he deserves more respect. He's an absolute unit. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Yeah, I think he is a he's a mess as well. Um, but yeah, I think Haaland as well. Even though he's done really well, uh, Erlen Braut Haaland, he's he's come in and done really well. But the, the thing is, I think he just didn't seem on it tonight. Um, he, and he We're gonna did go. Injury towards yeah, I agree. I was gonna obviously we'll branch that out to lads. Some good points there, Jordan. We'll talk about Haaland, Haaland in a bit. But Matthew, uh, question for you. Alfonso Davis, obviously, Davies, sorry, obviously, Andrew Robertson is the best left back in the world. Alfonso Davis, he's got to be in the top five. He was absolutely phenomenal tonight. And for a young man, he, he only looks like he's going he's gonna to get better and better. I'm not too certain about that because I think he's falling to the same pattern as Zinchenko did. That if you are the dominant team in the league and if you have all the possession, you can put on 11 attackers and look good. I think if there was a stronger opposition that would continually press and harry Alfonso Davis, I don't think he would have any luck. Because what, what we admire about Alfonso Davis is his dribbling capabilities and the balls he places in the box. That any attacker can do that. Or any mm. competent attacker could do that. He is rapid as well, I think. Mm. I he's, a very, uh, he's incredibly athletic. He um, got like, I think that's what's going for him. And, and, what, and that gives him the ability to recover. As well, so if he loses the yeah. ball, he will always press him Harry, and he sweeps behind the defence as well. So he has capabilities that side. But I only, I only think that we are gauging Alfonso Davis by him playing against weaker opposition and the moment that the Bundesliga is in. 
I don't think we can correctly measure the, the ability of any player. And he's only um, been on the scene, really, in the, in the viewer's scene for, what, half a year? Yeah. I, 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 get, I, I, I get that. But, I mean, you can only judge on what you've seen. And just I, to I think it's incredible, there, but... I think it's a fair year. comment. But, for me, Alfonso Davies, I mean, I watched that game against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. And bear in mind, Chelsea, they're not a world-class team, but Chelsea can do some serious damage. And Alfonso Davies, I'm talking of... He, he bossed the show, but in the sense that time and time again, Chelsea were through. Chelsea were fired, defence crumbled. And who was there to stop them time after time after time? It was Alfonso Davies. He I, plays his role very well. He does play his role very well, but, but he's a left-back. You know, what else are we expecting of Alfonso Davies? And, and I also don't want to fall into the trap of saying because he wasn't uh, playing left-back since the age of 12, therefore he cannot be a successful left-back. I, I think what we admire for him, as I said, is his attacking capabilities against weaker opposition. Chelsea are still, in my estimation, weaker than Dortmund. And so you can't exactly say it was, it was a bigger opposition on a bigger stage. And this is, well, not a bigger stage yet. But. I think you have to admit, though, I think looking at Davis coming into a Bayern side where you've had the likes of Frank Ribery there before um, and Alaba is the previous left-back as well. He's, he's moved into centre-back now. But I think if you look at Davis, how well he done to, tonight in terms of defensively rather than his attacking attributes, yeah. I think he really showed a strong performance. Um, yeah. Because I don't think he, on attack, in terms of attacking tonight, he didn't really show that much. But I felt, I felt he controlled Hakimi's game. Um, I thought Hakim, he had Hakimi in the, back, his, in the back of his pocket. Uh, the whole I, game. In my opinion, Hakimi, how much, well, he, how well he's done this season. Um, I think Alfonso Davis did really well in terms of keeping. I, 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 no, I don't think it was Alfonso Davis at all who contained Hakimi. I think it was Hakimi's lack of any support. Yes, he had Pichet behind him, but he didn't have any of the two midfielders shuttling across to support him. So at no point did you either see Guerrero or Hakimi getting behind the deform. The, um, on the Bayern's defence. So, yeah. not, o- not only was Hakimi not the, the attacking threat he ought to have been playing at home, but also Davies had the support of Gnabry. So, yeah. uh, so I, I, I think the, the Bayern system is tailored yeah. to minimise any de- weakness a young, unnatural left-back would have. I don't think this game's a fair reflection of his abilities. I, he is brilliant to watch when he's on the ball. I just think we, he'll fall into a similar trap that others do, is that when they don't have the ball, how do they fail? And what, do we, what, we, know, and what we know from Bayern in the past, thanks to the likes of Guardiola and things like that, that is that there's not just one position for one player in Bayern. You look at um, Lam and Alba and Kimmich now, yeah. The, yeah. The, the players are being encouraged to explore other areas so yeah. they're all working of how they can, if that player does that, that job, instead of his, his original job, how are we going to fill that space? How are we going to, to make sure that mm. there are no issues here? So I think that's, that's why it. Alfonso Davies yeah. can fit into this role, mm. because any issues that he may have filling that, that position is going to be sweeped up by a former left-back in Alaba, and then you'll have mm. Boateng to come in, or Sula, or whatever. That's a really good point, and that leads me kind of onto the question, I was going to ask you, Ethan. Obviously, Bayern Munich are a far cry from the team that, that Guardiola built. 
But I still feel personally Bayern are really missing someone in that midfield. I mean, Tolisso, when he's fully fit, Goretzka, even Thiago, Javi Martinez. In my opinion, they don't have a proper world-class central midfielder and they haven't had one for a long, long time. Mm. What, who do you think they need in that, in that role? It's, because for me, it's, too often it seems like buying by good players, not world-class players. Mm. I think they, they buy a working project, a working mm. process, sorry. I, you're looking at Taliso, yes, he's had his injuries, but when he's performing at the top of his game, you know, there are still a lot of players that are a lot better at than him in that position. Bayern are missing uh, a physical presence who can dribble, mm. who can carry it. Because, yes, you can have Thiago who does all the, the, the flicks and tricks. And, yes, he does have an underrated defensive ability. But at the end of the day, he's, what, 5'6", five, 5'7"? Five, he doesn't have that physical presence. Players like De Bruyne, um, who else? Uh, even Henderson, players who are... Who are just a bit bigger, and not necessarily that fast, granted, but those who can attack, but still body a player off the ball. Because you have Goretzka, but he's not that good. I I look at Goretzka. Goretzka. I was just going to say, I I look at Goretzka and I think to myself, Goretzka, yeah, good player, two seasons in the Bayern side, and then you'll see him go somewhere like Inter Milan, etc. I don't see a long-term player who can partner Kimmich in that midfield and really drive by into Champions League finals? I think yeah. I think Kimmich will grow, though. I think Kimmich, he's just started coming in this season into a centre-defensive midfield role because um, he was playing at right-back initially. I think with Kimmich now coming into the DM role, like Lamb did almost, um, mm-hmm. I think he will be a key player uh, in that Bayern team, like Philip Lamb. And I could easily see him being the captain. Um, I... In, the next few seasons. Um, I think if Bayern had a player like Saul Niguith, yeah, for Athletic Madrid, I think if they yeah. had a player like that, who, yes, he isn't the fastest, but he has a physical presence and he loves to attack and he can attack, then you're laughing. Yeah. You have a player with that defensive and attacking ability who can take on different roles and different defense, like different defenders. At different angles, then you're laughing. He's a brilliant player, Saul. I think his buyout clause is about 70 million euros, which in today's market, I mean, you could even do a swap deal, which you're probably looking at with this transfer window. Buying a so sport, they bought Coutinho, and he's a quality can. Well, Coutinho haven't to take up his loan, which is an interesting one, in my opinion. I mean, I've always been a big fan of Philippe Coutinho. He's a bit of a in my opinion, he's a bit of a luxury player. He's not really a player you would build the team around. And yeah. that's clearly what Bayern are thinking. Um, I just, I think with, for Bayern Munich, they, they've had some strange, like that Perisic, what was the need for Perisic? No, that was just because they couldn't get Sané in the previous window, but they needed someone to replace Frank Bayern Munich get Leroy I also think the comment ought to be made that I think it'd be unfair to... Uh, uh, to kind of uh, make a definite opinion on this midfield, but uh, considering the options that they don't really have up front, I I do not mm. rate Coleman whatsoever. I I think injury prone. There must Very be something. Injury prone. We, well, this injury prone, but he has no ability in the final third. There, I cannot recall any 
chance that he's created or already taken. Mm. The dormant game in isolation was a very poor performance. I and do when Sitter like, I if, if Sane goes, then we can get Coleman. But what is Coleman going to do? Oh, no, he'll, oh, just no, no, that's not gonna he'll, he'll just play second rate. He'll second rate to, to See, that, Salah. Yeah, exactly. That no, but, no, no, but, let, let's say Sane goes to Bayern, which I think will happen. And I, I really don't want to because I love him. I, I think you will therefore find that Bayern have got, barring Man City, and that's not biased, I think Bayern will have the most exciting midfield in the world. I think that I think they have. There's not a, a, a quality. Potentially, there's, pot- there's potential there, because if I you're talking about mid- midfields, you've got staples now. You've got teams now that have a fantastic midfield. But I think when you get them to gel together and you go through about a year's training and things like that, then there's a chance that they'll have the one of the best midfields in the world. Yeah. No, but I'm thinking they're getting closer to that potential any with with Hansi Flick because what we have to bear in mind that the past four years, Bayern in every department have been in the wilderness with their managerial changes and the boardroom in constant yeah. flux. I think once there's any form of stability, and I think Bayern haven't had any stability since Pep Guardiola. I think if there was a settled, uh, you know, um, product. You know, infrastructure there. I think yeah. if you have the players you have right now, they are going to flourish and be the best in the world with not a shadow. Of I mean, after that amount of time, you could with the right part, with the right manager, with the right leadership, then you can have that. But I, I'm saying you're not going to get Guardiola. You're not going to get Zidane. You're going to have to find a manager who doesn't have as much experience. And then they can flourish. So you need a you need a yeah. strong foundation to start with. We'll to get that you've also got, you've got, but you've got the experience surrounding them. And I, I don't think they're exactly a you know a, a weak midfield that any team has bulldozed. The league mm-hmm. has proven that no other team in the league can bulldoze them. Kimmich but they're not a European threat at the moment. They're a group stage threat, but they're no, not they're, a European threat. Oh no, they're a European threat. I mean, well, if you're up against a London. Threat. You, you 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 put them up against the London club, then I. But I think like, like with City, like with City. No, but I think that City have the same kind of standard as Bayern Munich at the, at the moment. That they're a group stage that they can win the group stage. But you're getting to the knockout rounds, and then you're you're seeing the the proper teams that are, who already have their finished product at the moment: Liverpool, Atletico Madrid, uh, play, uh, teams like that, which they're flourishing in right now. You're not going to have a chance. Yeah. No, these are good I, points, I lads. These are good points. Um, uh, sorry, sorry, Theo. I was just going to say, Ethan, you've got to say, though, that with Atletico Madrid, they're eighth in La Liga this year. So hmm. you can see what they've put their focus to. Yes. The like Liverpool, like Liverpool with the Champions League last season. But that's yeah, because that. a lot of pressure is on. And I mean, Atletico Madrid is, is a team that I've, you know, I've always had an opinion on. And I've always loved Diego Simeone and the way he plays, but I think Diego Simeone is under so much pressure in what was meant to be, in my opinion, his final season, with obviously buying you know, Felix and spending a lot of money, the new stadium, that I think he's thought, you know what, the only way I can please the owners is by winning the, the, uh, yeah. the Champions yeah. League. But that's a good topic to discuss. We're going to go quickly yeah, on to a, a last question. I'll ask Luca and then I'll open it up. Obviously, the most talked about man up top at the moment other than the top players, is, is Erling Haaland. Now, he's been sensational this season for Salzburg and obviously for Dortmund. But the talk of in the summer moving to the Premier League for a big sum, 
I just don't think he's ready yet. I don't think he's he's ready. I don't think he's even close yet. Luca, what what would you like think, to say about that? I think he's he's obviously no one can dispute that he's quality. And um, there's the goals in the Champions League that he scored. He he turned on the TV and he scored. It, it was it was almost like that at one point. I think he definitely does need at least one more season to so that, yeah. so the Premier League know who they're buying. So you know. If you're looking to pay, well, I mean, how much are they going to pay for him? It's going to be upwards of 70 mil. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, definitely an, another season at Dortmund. And if he continues to do what he's doing, then definitely I think the, I think the big club should go in for 100%. Yeah, there's no denying that Haaland's got the, the raw ability and obviously mm-hmm. the attributes. I mean, that goal he scored against Schalke. It was just, it was a sumptuous finish. It was as if he wasn't trying. But I do feel as if Haaland, he needs he needs to go through a tough spell in order for us to see what he's made of. I think he's had it a bit too easy. I, I think, see, with Haaland, I think, I think he's ready. I don't think the teams are ready because I think the teams are going to put a lot of faith into him and say, oh, he is, he is our, our present and our future. Mm-hmm. And I think a similar thing with, well, Gabriel Jesus, they were like, City were like, yep, this is it. He's going he's gonna to overtake Aguero. He's going to be our future. And he, he didn't live up to it. So I think it's not the player, it's the team's pressure. So I think give him another year. Not necessarily to see what he's made of, but give another year for the, the Premier League yeah. teams to go, actually, let's thing. take a step back and think about it. Yeah, what would you, yeah, that's a good point, Jordan. What you agree with that? My thought, my thought was going to be that... The only teams he would go to, though, in the Premier League would be a Liverpool, a Man City, and maybe Chelsea. But even then, when you look at it, why would you go to Manchester United? In my opinion right now, unless they get Champions League, it's a sideways step for them um, in terms mm, of leaving the Jordan Henderson pass. Um, so, yeah, I, I, think, I think that's the thing. Um, I don't think Liverpool should get him if they're going to buy Werner as well, because then yeah, you can't. I mean, you've got to go either Werner or Haaland, but yeah. I think Werner's the proven one. I'd, I would go Werner if I was Liverpool, but I, I don't think I, if I was Haaland, I'd be looking at Man United and going, yeah, it's a it's a good step because he could have chosen Man United before yeah, he joined Borussia Dortmund. So, in my opinion, if Haaland's going to go anywhere, it'll be to Real Madrid or something um, in the future. I, I don't see him at. Man United or any any club like that, and I think for Dortmund as well, I don't think they're going to sell Haaland this summer if they sell Sancho um, as well. See yeah. Sancho, my my thing with Sancho is if Sancho wasn't British, if he wasn't an English player, then the British media wouldn't make it as much of a deal. I think he would be a fan, he'd still be a good player, but it wouldn't be like oh he's the he's so amazing. It's yeah. just because yeah. it is going to bring in revenue for Britain. But you know, do you know something? Fantastic. I think that's a good point, but I think. Jaden Sancho is he's, he's amazing. You compare him to, I'll just compare him to a couple of, of players in the Dortmund side. For example, Forgan Hazard and um, Rafael Guerrero. Now, Guerrero's been brilliant this season. And I mean, Hargreaves commented in the match today that he'd love to see him in the Premier League, maybe. Forgan Hazard, Forgan Hazard is, is bang average. Jaden Sancho, he's got the X factor. It, there's something about him, he, he can. Obviously, De Bruyne's a cam, but he's got that thing like De Bruyne where he can make a chance out of everything. Uh, well, if, you, so. if you compare a racehorse to two normal farm cows, then sure, you're going to get like oh, they're, oh, not gonna they're not going for mate, they're they're not gonna, them, that's There's going to be a massive difference. Because if you can, if you're Jaden Sancho is a fantastic player, no doubt to him. 
But if you compare him to Guerrero and Hazard, Thorgan Hazard, then you know there is going to be a, a massive difference. Yeah, but and I say that Guerrero is not a simple farm cow. He is brilliant. No, he's but a, he's, he's a, a black player. Horse. He's a good player. He's a good squad player. But if you I compare Jaden Sancho to, well, just give me a. If you compare him to, uh, I think Sterling. Uh, Mane. If you compare him to Mane, or you I'd, compare him to, compare him to Sterling. Sterling. Sterling would be the type. Mane, well, you can't compare. I mean, Jaden Sancho. Let's remember. I'm just picking a winger. They're different. I'm picking a winger. Yeah, you know, Jaden Sancho is. He's burst onto the scene and he's done it again this season. That's two in a row. And he's getting into England. He's getting at a point where he either decides, okay, it's time to make a move and see if I can do it in another league. Or do I stabilise myself at Dortmund and prove to people and win a title with Dortmund or, or whatever? He's not good because Dortmund are, are trying to turn themselves into the, the new Monaco where they're just pumping out players. I don't think, I don't think that's right. No, I don't, I don't disagree with that. Not... Always been, Dortmund's always been kind of like that, Ethan. They've, they've always kind of been a club that buys and sells. But mm. I think they're all, they've always done that. that. Whereas Monaco, they were like a spell of, say, four or five years. Dortmund's done this for like 10, 20 years, at least, as buy and sell players. Um, even if that's to likes of Bayern Munich as well. They've done that. Um, so I think, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens with Sancho, but I do think he needs to be careful on where he goes, um, because in my opinion, I wouldn't go back to Man City um, if I was him. Um, whether I would go to United, it might be a good step because they do need a, a right winger. They've needed someone on that wing for a while. But again, that's a sidestep. Again, yeah, it is. But do you know what? I don't know about that. And obviously, I know I've got a bit of bias, but I really think with Bruno Fernandes, United are going in the right direction. I really think with Bruno Fernandes, United are going in the right direction. Get yeah. a better centre-back in. Um, yeah, I mean, if, you, if you're going to build your whole future around one player, how old is Bruno Fernandes? Bruno Fernandes is 24, 25 years old. So um, he's, United he's, he's a decent age. But if you're going to build, yeah, if you're going to build your whole future around a player who's already twenty-five years old, yeah. But the thing is, how many teams build their future around a twenty-year-old? Most teams build their future around a, a core yeah, of players or a player who yes, is. Yes, a core. I'm saying a core of players. United Bruno Fernandes doesn't have that now, that experience got, to have a, a, a such a large but um, they do, they team. Do. United got one Bissaka. One Bissaka. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Bruno Fernandes. I don't think he already has any. He's already had the but, national but, team and he's already had sporting built around yeah. him. He has the, he has the uh, sporting. He's already had Muslim. sporting. But sport, yeah. no, but sporting Lisbon. Uh, a group stage again. Europa League team. No, so you can't. That, that's no, that's, that's, a, that's a poor opinion. That's a poor. Bruno Fernandes. That's still opinion, right? though. What he's done, yeah, it's an opinion. What he's, he's done, a, he's, he's a fantastic player. United is, is incredible. He's transformed that team. He's made players like Juan Mata, who were. Juan Mata was, was, had no hope this season. He's, he's, he's made watching United fun again. People yeah, think he's a focal point. He's, I agree that he's a focal point, but if you're going to build, if you're going to say that you're going to build around him, I, I disagree. Because you, I, I disagree with building a team around one player in general. I think Guard, the term build the team around that, and there's been, there, there's been... That's a different argument. You always find, you always find, if you build around one player, you always find gaps. If you build, build around a core, then yes. So find the the only first. team that have built round one player that I can really think of that succeeded is Barcelona, who built round Messi, and Messi, and yeah. that's what happened. Well, I was thinking, but, but Man United, in in terms <laughs> of in terms of building, I think Sancho, with what's going on at United and 
and the improvements they've made. United's pro processes, they've ripped out and gutted the team, much what Klopp did when he came into Liverpool. When Klopp came into Liverpool, it was a horrendous team. And they drew nil-nil at, at Tottenham. And the team that started that day was Mignolet. It was, um, I think it was Markovic. Um, well, I'll tell you, but um, Rini what was his and, face? Uh, Ricky, Ricky Lambert. Ricky Lambert. Ricky Lambert. Oh, and he yes. gutted it. And it took time. I mean, I remember they, they drew two all at home to, to West Brom and, and he got them celebrating on the pitch. It was a last-minute winner, they, uh, equaliser they scored. But, and people were laughing about it, but it was such a significant time. And that's the same with Man United at the moment. Solskjaer has gone about doing his job and he's quietly got rid of the troublemakers. He's got rid of Ashley Young. He's got rid of um, um, Lukaku. He's got rid of um, players who... Sanchez. Yeah, Sanchez. Even Valencia, who... Who, yeah, he was loyal to the club, but it was time to move on. And slowly, you're seeing players like from the, the academy, like Scott McTominay coming in. Greenwood. You've got Greenwood um, coming in. Brandon Williams Fantastic. coming in. You know, Greenwood. United are built around that kind and, of... That kind and you of mentioned Juan Bissaka. I think he's incredible. He is yeah, incredible. And, and that's incredible. coming from a City fan watching yeah. Juan Bissaka dominate Sterling every game they play. He's incredible. And Marcus Rashford... Is I know people uh, take him or lead him. I think he's. In, I think his potential yeah. is incredible. His potential is incredible. If, if City do is. sell Sane, I think if City bought Rashford, that would that would be people. Can you compare? Sorry, I say I think the only thing that Man United is also missing, it, including a right wing and I think another centre back, as you mentioned, Theo. I think the thing that really Man United are missing as a centre defensive midfielder, um, they've not really got that. I mean, you the standard that they should aim for get someone like Goretzka. No, I don't think Goretzka would. I would be saying, I would say Wilfred and Didi. Javi Garcia, get Javi Garcia. I'm not on the Wilfred and Didi bandwagon. I think he's a bang average CDM. I think going back to Wan Bissaka, can we just bring it back to Bayern as well? Wambasaka and Davies, I think they're they're similar, but I think Wambasaka is better at defending. I think Wambasaka's got much more of a physical presence. Yeah, I think yeah. the, the athletic ability really, is very similar, though. Yeah, I agree. Wambasaka is an interesting player because he never looks bothered on the field. He looks really relaxed. He looks really kind of bored. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. But sometimes Wambasaka is Wambasaka one on one. I don't think there's a better defender in the world. One on one. I think. I mean, VVD obviously. You know, obviously fantastic, but, but to a man, he, I mean, he, I remember he's not that Raheem big. Sterling. Van Dijk is not that good on the dribble, though. No, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, he you're runs away from the dribble. Van Dijk. Yeah, agreed, agreed. He Van runs Dijk's, away from the dribble. And you know something? I have to admit, Van Dijk's centre-back partner, partner this season, whether that be Lovren, whether that be Matip, or whether that be um, Gomez. Joe Gomez. Gomez, has done good more player. work than Van Dijk has done in games this season. So I think Van Dijk's a fantastic defender, but I think he's very good at um, getting away from responsibility. Mm. I really think, sure. yeah, I think he, he's he's very he's very he's very good at looking good, but not yeah, actually. And he's praised he's praised for his attack as well. Like he is he's good at good at being attacking minded. Yeah. But people will say, oh, because he he can do both. Well, you could be a, a jack of all trades, but master of none. And he yeah. has to be careful that yes, he can he can dribble and he can lob up the pitch a, a sweet pass to a winger, but he needs to be careful that he's not 
trying to do it all. I think he's still the best defender in the world, but he needs to be careful to not try and do it all. But actually, look at, his, look, at his, look at his role and his responsibility and fulfill it. Just work hard yeah. at that. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, and it's, that's a good place to, uh, to, to leave our discussion on tonight. Lads, it's been, it's been an absolute privilege. There's been some cracking points. Thank you all for uh, coming on tonight. I hope you've enjoyed it. It's been great having you all. Um, I was oh, expecting a thank you for you, no problem. Yeah, but no, 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 no problem. It was an enjoyable time for you. Hopefully, we can do another one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, you know, if anyone's got any shouts, if you're listening, what you want us to discuss, press the follow even, button. Obviously, click the follow button. But obviously, if if there's any topic that you want our, our thoughts on, we'll talk about anything. Um, but we've got some interesting content coming up in the next couple of weeks, and uh, look forward to. Uh, Bring it to you. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, uh, guys, how the heck do you guys? Right. All right, see you guys. See you guys. Bye.